we should beginners. begin at the beginning. Actually, every good storyteller ends at the beginning and then jump uh, at the end and then jumps back to the beginning. I was quoting. Uh, I know you were quoting something. I decided. To, I don't. No, I didn't. A Canadian hero. In the beginning! Back in 1955! I thought I was doing fine there. I know, I was going to yell at you to start, but my delayed reaction didn't realize you had already started, and then I couldn't. <laughs> no, please. Uh. No, there, there's, there's, there's no coming back from that. I was going to go and have some fun. I was going to do some ACDC, get this podcast started off with a raucous intro, but no, then Amy decided to go and end it. Hi there, everybody. I'm Robert. I'm the Red Ranger. I'm Amy. I'm Hell's Bells. <laughs> I'm Cole. I'm the Green Ranger. And I'm Tyler. I'm Thunderstruck. Apparently, I'm the only <laughs> normal one, apparently. Oh. Okay. Welcome. Welcome, everybody, to the Soccer Rangers podcast, where we focus on conventions, cosplay, and ACDC cover bands. Oh, Wait, what? Oh, okay. Yeah. Why haven't we done that? Do you know the one the the one thing I've always heard about cover bands that we we talked about this back in the day is you you close your you go to go see a cover band you close your eyes and you the best a cover band can ever get is when you close your eyes you go yeah that sounds like them and that's it you've hit your peak you peaked there can't go any further than that. Pretty damn close to true. I mean, the only real exception for me, I somewhat ironically here, uh, Hell's Bells, the all-female ACDC cover band of the Northwest, uh, yeah, has all the spirit of ACDC, except for they're not all decrepit old men who might break a hip if they tried to actually perform now. Oh, yeah, no, they're they're freaking awesome. I... It still flies on YouTube, so I don't think it's that bad. <laughs> I don't know if that's right, because are they personifying the characters, or are they just playing their music? I don't... This Mostly... Is a debate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Although, I will say... Also, none of the, us are really the rest... Authorities on being, outside of the being a cover band? What is that's Scott... Scott cover... I think I, I think I'm pretty hip on the cover bands though. Yeah, yeah, you are. Yeah. yeah. I, I I listen to ska, and if you listen to ska, you listen to covers. It's yeah. just yep. <laughs> it's part of it. Tyler and I don't like the same music for a lot of things, but we'll listen to punk goes pop. So then I get to listen to the pop music I like, kind of, and hear the lyrics and sing along. But he gets to listen to the punk music he likes. Yeah, and be <laughs> able to like actually move and dance to it. <laughs> That's not how it works. I don't need a rearview mirror. I just for some strange reason I thought that Rick Allen me. was in ACDC for some strange reason. I was gonna make a different joke, but Rick Allen? Yeah. The drummer for Def Leppard. Uh, that's a uh, I thought he was I thought he was a stretch. Okay. That's I, what my my brain can't process what's going on right now. Like I was gonna go and make a joke about Tyler trying to do the skank 
in the passenger seat of Amy's car. Yeah. I could do it. I've done place. it. And then, and then Cole did that. And I'm just like, my brain can't even process right now. I don't, I don't know what to do. Don't worry about and it. It's, it's hard to miss. On. Talk about American classic movies and universal <laughs> The man's missing an arm. <laughs> it's hard to mix up. Rob, take it away. <laughs> At least you figured it out. I thought for some reason he was in that. Anyway, besides the point. I was yes, gonna... uh, no, that's cold. Please stop, please. <laughs> my brain. I'll explain my. <laughs> oh my god, later. my brain. Oh my god. Okay, yeah. So, uh, real talk for this week's episode uh, has to do with Trolls World Tour and how it's disrupting oh. the movie industry, while at the same time not at all disrupting the movie industry. I wanted to watch that. It's literally just it's, two companies, though, isn't it? Well, it's it's yeah. No, so let's let's just go and get the basics out of the way because I suspect it'll probably answer many of Cole's questions as we're going through this. So, getting things started here, uh, I think we all know about what we're going through: coronavirus, COVID nineteen. And if you don't, All you've been under a in place. You, if you if you don't know anything about it, you've been under a rock. <laughs> Please tell me. Which is it. where yeah. you should be because you'd be isolated. Guys, exactly. Guys, guys, hell, bells, thunder, chicken, jack, icy, go, Rob. <laughs> okay, we're gonna have a jailbreak from the ACDC references for a minute and go and get serious. <laughs> so. With all of our shelter-in-place, quarantine, whatever you want to put it, see last five weeks' worth of content we put out if you have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. In which case, I'm impressed. But I digress. Trolls World Tour was originally slated for release in theaters in April. This is, in some respects, one of the biggest casualties of what's gone on in the theater industry with this event. Universal Pictures and DreamWorks had put way more money into advertising for this particular film than they did the first one. Uh, and they're going to have to go and do, despite this film having done well on Video On Demand, where they moved it to, is still going to need to almost double its take uh, to go and make up for a lot of the losses that we're looking at right now, uh, since merchandise sales have suffered on top of what we're looking at here uh, in box office gross. Now, this is made for something interesting, though. So, going into this, the film has ultimately been a success. In the first three weeks, it's uh, grossed about $100 million in profit for uh, Universal Pictures, which is nothing to laugh about. This is the first time we've seen a major film release go video on demand. Normally, this is something that happens for either limited-run films, uh, independent ventures that could not go and secure uh, film slots, or sometimes just, you know, maybe a director or a cast member finds themselves in hot water, uh, and yeah, then you end up Kevin Spaceying yourself and finding your stuff not making any money anymore. So, with the film getting dropped onto Video On Demand, it's made in the first three weeks about $100 million in take, which is pretty damn good, all things considered, for a film that got pulled 
uh, from regular theater release because nobody's going to the theater right now. In curiosity, be... can you compare that to something that would normally be like what would be a normal gross? Yeah, that one in its full theatrical run made about $153 million. So this one's on track to match or beat uh, what the previous one did, which okay. is quite honestly great to go and see. That's a good number, and it's one of the last real major successes that DreamWorks Animation has had. Uh, for anybody following all of that ever since Universal Pictures picked up Illumination, they've been making a lot of money with their low-cost arguably low effort approach to filmmaking by comparison to DreamWorks that at least started off more as high concept, high budget, more your Disney competitor in that respect. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's been a lot of questions as to what happens to DreamWorks and there's been a lot of fears over it getting shut down. Uh, the first Trolls movie and weirdly enough, the Boss Baby basically saved it from getting shut down by Universal. Which just feels terrible that I have to say that the Boss Baby saved DreamWorks Pictures. <laughs> anyway, so this film has done surprisingly well given the circumstances here. Once again, this is a sample size of one right now. We don't know where things are going to go long term in terms of whether or not people under normal circumstances would flock to something like this or the cinema experience. I suspect, honestly, with this kind of stuff, and full disclosure, I did see this movie before uh, the theaters started shutting down with a press pass. Uh, personally, I found this insufferable. Of course, the first of one course I actually you thought was Of course you saw it early. Well, yeah. <laughs> this one actually depressed me, though, because I actually did really like the first one. Like, it ends way too abruptly, and it's, you know... It's a story that we've seen before, but I thought there was something charming about it in its own way. In what way did this it, one? In what way did it end? Like in the way that okay, we've ran out of ideas, cut it there. That type of thing. I don't want to go watch it. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm not asking about the ending. I'm just saying, like, oh, you're not gonna like, know then. That nope. type of ending is what oh, I'm yeah. saying. <laughs> yeah, no, is this like okay? We've got the... We're at the climax. Oh, wow. That just ended really fast. Uh, okay. Normally, there's a little bit of a drop down. Like, there there was none of that. It was just... Sheer whoa. cliff. Where, where did... Where did this... Uh, that's it? These are the credits? Okay, sure. Whatever. Her. But, yeah. Like I said, the first one I did find to be weirdly charming. I liked the world that they created. And when I saw the trailer for this one, I actually got kind of excited. Because it looked like... Okay. There might be something good here. It looks like they're expanding things a little bit. It looks like they're developing the world. Visually, it looks a lot better. Uh, and I'll say it definitely looks a lot better than the first one did. They definitely capture the visual mystique properly. But, uh... That's it. Yeah, they they left me uh, feeling a little bit hollow here. This, uh, this was not great. But I could see films like this, you know, the more traditional, quote, kids films... I, I see this kind of stuff working in their favor for this kind of stuff, especially for something on the lower end of the budget side. Quite honestly, I would love for Illumination films to just be released to video on demand. That would be totally fine with me. That I'd never have to see one in the theater ever again. <laughs> Sorry, am I sounding biased against Illumination? Because I kind of hate Illumination. It's going to be interesting to see what happens if this continues a lot longer and we start seeing other films 
trying this kind of option. The, the controversy that's coming along with this is that Universal... And this is being reported a little bit disingenuously. So uh, NBC Universal CEO Jeff Schell uh, says that film or that all future uh, Universal IP films will be released simultaneously both in theaters as well as in uh, paid video on demand. This is an interesting statement given that a lot of their films are already in contract still for 90-day release periods in theaters, so it's not going to be every one of them right off the bat. It's going to be interesting to see where this ultimately ends up going. I... Oh, I... I want... When we watched uh, uh, Onward, I didn't get the same kind of feel of it that I thought I would get in a theater. I was, like, watching. I got kind of invested, but I didn't get, like, the punch in the, in the heart that I would normally get. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I, I just didn't feel as immersed in it, watching it on demand, as I would feel like I would in a theater. Because it's got all the plot points and all the things that I love, and it just didn't... I just never got fully immersed in it to sit down like I would, like, when I sit in a theater and I see a whole screen, I get, like, super immersed in it, and... Some movies are better like that. Uh, and some are just... Yeah, I don't know. So I, I feel like... Some movies I would I would prefer to watch in a theater. And then there's other that are like Illumination movies that are... I know aren't going to really be the best that I do just wait until it is on demand or watch it in a camera. <laughs> a camera theater. Uh, the cheapest way I can. So... If you know what, you know what I mean... Tyler brings up an interesting point, and this is where I have to go and bring some umbrage to a lot of the reporting. And, you know, most of this stuff is more clickbaity headlines trying to get people to go and read the articles and thus getting the ad revenue off of it. There's this argument going on that this is the end of theaters. And it's like, there's a problem with this. Number one, film development has two different levels. You've got the Netflix level where it is being designed for home consumption and is being produced very differently. Generally, smaller budget, smaller scope, and generally, I hate to say not as thought-provoking as what traditional cinema is. The other thing as well is that the way that this film has come into this, they spent a ton of money after they decided to make the switch to video on demand promoting this. I cannot go on to Amazon.com without repeatedly running into banner ads to go and rent Trolls World Tour. Here's the issue, and Tyler brought this up. When you're talking about cinema, and I'll be honest here, I think that there are too many films that do get released to theaters that don't deserve theatrical releases anymore. A lot of them are just there just to make money. Quite honestly, Disney, all your live-action remakes, just drop them onto Disney Plus or onto video-on-demand rental services. You're not winning anybody over with that. You're making lots of money on them, but... Not one of them has stood up to the test of the original films that were produced. Uh, now we have the new one that's making the jump over here, and this is freaking weird to me. Warner Brothers has been putting a lot of money over the last six months into their Scooby-Doo 
now Hanna-Barbera cinematic universe launching film, Scoob. Wait, what? Originally, that was supposed to come. Yes, Scooby-Doo is coming back with an animated movie. Uh... And... Yep. Uh, dude, I am freaking in love with this already. Like, I I cannot wait until May fifteenth comes around because I just need to see this. If you say so, because the last you know, thing the fact I ever that watched Wacky was that weird <laughs> live action one that they did what what fifteen years ago. Well, it's it probably been about that. Yeah. What was what was wrong with that? I don't that? know. It they was good. Live action well, ones. the one with the spooky island. Yeah. That's the first one. Okay. It was okay, but at the same time, I'm thinking, like, okay. Okay, quick diatribe here. That film, I actually really do like, but I'm pissed because about five years ago, the original script for the film released, and oh my god, they were going for a PG-13 take on Scooby-Doo, and it was going to be, like, fully self-aware, a la Josie and the Pussycats, they were going to go with Velma and Daphne as closet lesbians, uh, Fred as just absolutely clueless, Scoob and Shaggy literally being stoners. Well, they kept that part. So you mean... Like, they had filled... Okay, yeah, okay. I have, to, to, I have to say, uh, though, uh, now that... Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back versions. Okay, I have to say, <laughs> then, that now that... Okay, I will admit I have not thought about that particular film in years. Now that I'm starting to remember it now, I'm like, oh, right, I actually like that film. Yeah, no, no, that that film, I just want to see what the original one was, because they were actually shooting a lot of the scenes. Like, there's some stuff that doesn't feel like it quite fits in the movie, watching it back. It's like, those were all shots that were done before Warner Brothers got cold feet and said, okay, take it down to PG, take it down to PG, take it down to PG! Fine. Yeah, no, that, that, the shot of the mystery machine with smoke billowing out the top... They turned it into a hibachi grill for the actual cut, but originally that was them taking stuff from a contraband locker and just smoking it all inside the van. Like, my god, I'm looking forward to Scoob coming out. But they're taking it a step farther, because now they just decided we're not even going to go and look necessarily at purchase video on demand. So they're not looking at 48-hour rentals like what Trolls uh, World Tour did. They're going a step farther. You will be able to rent it through Amazon Cinema and all that stuff. But they've just gone straight to available to own May 15th. You can straight up buy the movie for 20 bucks, Or rent it for less. So now there's a question of, okay, will this end up having some sort of an impact? Once again, it's a... You know, seemingly kids movie. This one I have not seen, so I cannot go and speak to this entirely. Is this... Now, this is the question I'm going to ask is... DVDs aren't really a thing. Well, they, they are a thing, but they're not as popular as they used to be. So, we really don't have a direct-to-video... Is this is this now, like, the, uh, the resurgence of that direct-to-video movies now? Where the, the medium is now going to be... Uh, on demand because we used to have direct to VHS movies, direct to DVD movies, and we didn't have anything yet. And now we're transitioning to just having everything on services. So it's just going to be direct to, uh, direct to that. Just like the, uh, they're, they're dabbling with it. Cause what was, um, 
Lady in the Trap, the live-action Lady in the Trap, they did that uh, direct mm-hmm. to uh, Disney+. Plus. So maybe this is this is going to be the start of that, and it's already been happening, and this might push it faster than what it was already doing because we were seeing well, things direct to... Netflix has been putting movies on... Uh, new, uh, on Netflix for a long time and then you have Hulu who has uh, their own custom programming and same with Disney Plus they had some movies that are just going on to there so this might be uh, not something that was already going to happen inevitably and now that they're got these platforms it's going to this whole situation has just pushed it quicker than it already was going to go or naturally going to go yeah, you see, this is where it gets kind of interesting for me because I actually don't see this so much as being a bad effect on the film industry. I actually see this as being a bigger effect on streaming services. And here's the reason why. So between Trolls World Tour and likely Scoob here next week, we've got kind of an interesting circumstance where even though they're skipping the theaters in terms of release, and while you'd think that that'd be a bigger impact... The big point with these is that these films are not going straight to streaming services, and mm. Universal seems to have made it pretty clear, given what's going on and how much money this is making, that you are unlikely to see Trolls World Tour find its way onto a service like Netflix, like Hulu, like any of that stuff anytime soon. As right now, they're making an 80% cut on all of these video streaming services. This is kind of the interesting point. So when a film is released in theaters, depending on the film and the contract agreements, it's generally the studio will go and get anywhere between a 30 to 60% cut of the film. Normally it's right around 50% on there. In the case of what's going on right now, companies like Amazon really gave a sweetheart deal to try to go and encourage Uh, this kind of release coming to their platforms for this purchase video on demand. So what's going on here is they've right now got an 80% share of what's coming off of this. Basically what that's going attributing to, so they're selling actually fewer quote-unquote tickets in this case than what they normally be getting in the movie theaters. Yes, they're making more money off of each one of those, but it's not particularly large distribution but they're getting to keep all of that money. They're not needing to go and mess around with anything. And they also worked out stuff with like Amazon for cross promotion with advertising. So it's not even costing them as much on that side. They're not gonna need to go and make two to three times as much in order to go and break even as what their production budget was. The problem for a company like say Netflix, who's been operating in the red now for several years, They just keep going and throwing more and more money into film curation, into film development, and not actually turning a profit. The concern for them now is if you've got a situation on where these kind of video-on-demand releases are standing on their own just through hosting platforms and being able to garner this much attention, this much money, suddenly you're going to go and find that these high-profile releases that normally Netflix relishes and are able to go and put a lot of promotion and marketing into, they're not going to be able to do that anymore. They're going to have to pay more money to get a hold of this in the first place, and probably for shorter time periods than what they're in contract negotiations with now. This could actually be a situation on where 
a lot of these external releases that prop up companies like Netflix, like Hulu, could ultimately end up becoming a major problem for them. A service like Disney Plus, they're going to be releasing their long gestated Artemis Fowl adaptation is now going directly to Disney Plus instead of being released into theaters. That one's going to be more interesting, not being, you know, it's still geared towards young adults, but not as kiddy as some of the other films that we're going and looking at here. That one's going to be interesting to see what that one does between uh, paid on-demand rentals and what the actual number of engagements are on Disney+. Plus. That kind of stuff works for them because it's all in-house. They produce it themselves, they get to market it themselves, they get to distribute, and whatever they do third-party is just gratis on top of all of that. More likely, this is going to be a problem for companies that don't have a lot of their own personal content and more curate, or more curate content. That's a big concern right there. Movie theaters, on the other hand, think about the social experience that comes along with going to a Marvel superhero movie or going to Pixar's newest cry fest and being able to just go and vibe off of everybody else in the theater. That kind of stuff still means something. That's the social element that a lot of people miss. You know, we all complain about the highway robbery that is, you know, $8 on 30 cents of popcorn. But we miss that social environment. You know, I just watched the Konosuba movie with my wife. <laughs> and I saw that in theaters. Oh. And as much as my wife enjoyed the movie... I can't say that it was anywhere near as dynamic an experience for me as it was being in there with a whole bunch of guys and girls that just wanted to watch Cosma get hurt over and over again. Like I said, yeah. there's an environment with the theaters that lends itself to some types of film releases. Yes. Pixar could not stand in the video on demand marketplace. It's designed for a large viewing. It's designed for bigger consumption. It's designed to go and build a sense of community while you're watching those kind of films. That's something that has always worked for them. It would not work, I think, as well on a video on demand platform. No. As much as I love the fact that Onward came to Disney Plus as soon as it did, so I was able to watch it again. Yeah, no, it's it's not as impactful as watching it in the theater. That's how I've always felt about Pixar films. And, yeah, I kind of love Pixar films. Even when they're not great, they still have something about them that's different. They are truly a unique studio, even not their worst day. Except except The Good Dinosaur. Yeah, no, that was... that. The, you want to talk about an incomplete film? It's like, it's their <laughs> best... It's weirdly their best-looking film. Okay. I stand by that statement. Like, environment-wise, hmm. holy shit. Nailed everything about that one. But then it's like, okay, there's the T-Rexes. They're talking about Let's Ride. And they're doing this weird little trot thing. It's like, are they supposed to be riding something? This feels like they were supposed to be riding something, and they just cut out whatever was underneath them. It's like even the way the legs bow doesn't quite work. There's a lot in it that doesn't match, and and it feels like an old concept that's already been used many times. And it's yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I I don't know why that one wasn't just canceled early on. I suspect they spent way too much time on detail mapping and all that stuff and making the environments. Were like, we we can't we can't in good conscience not release this. 
there, there's not we, we'll 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 just get screwed by this. Yeah. I don't know. That one I can't really understand. Hand. But yeah, the Marvel movies, even with all the things I can complain about with the rise of Skywalker, at least I was watching it with a whole bunch of other Star Wars fans. I was like, okay, you know what? At least we're all suffering through the weird points together and we're able to enjoy the genuinely good ones together. Yeah, well, that's that's what happened with uh, uh, last uh, last Jedi. Um, yeah. When the scene where they where they do the hyperdrive jump and it's all quiet, the whole audience was just quiet with it too. Whoa! So it was just yeah, it was yeah. You're there and you're 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 in this room with a bunch of people, but it's still stone dead quiet. And you're like, oh, everyone yeah. is in shock, and you feel that in the air. So it, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I do think this theater is going to change. I'm not saying that this will not have an impact on there. Whether or not Universal ends up releasing all of their films side by side, I tend to doubt that'll actually end up being the case. Uh, but I do think we're going to see a change. Because the other reality is, the theaters that are making the most money per seat right now are surprisingly enough more small or small chains and independent theaters, most of which have gone over to either luxury or VIP seating. Oh, yeah. Surprisingly enough, those are making more money and generally at lower ticket prices. AMC right now is kind of declaring war on Universal because they didn't like that announcement. And AMC said, well, I guess we're just not going to go and host any more Universal films. And it's like, Okay, that was a bit of an extreme knee-jerk and then who reaction. Who else was it that followed along with them? Uh, so Cinemark, which is part of Regal Entertainment, uh, they've also followed suit. That one's a little bit different, though, because that they actually have not said that they're going to uh, cancel their contracts with Universal. They've just made a public statement that okay. they don't like that. So they're kind of getting roped in somewhat um, inappropriate. And for those who don't might not know, because I'm not sure how f- far sprung AMC is um, in the states, because I don't think we have it up here in Canada. Because um, mm. I think it, up here it's mostly yeah. overtaken by Cineplex, um, which mm. I can't remember. Which I can't remember who owns them right now. But um, I don't remember who owns Cineplex right now either. Scotia, Scotia Bank, I think. But in any case. Um, but in any case, could you just explain really quick what who AMC is, real quick? Uh, so AMC is one of the larger theater chains, actually in the world. I was kind of surprised when I did a little bit of research because I wanted to make sure I was able to speak to this properly. So AMC is a big uh, theater company here in the U.S. They're the second largest in terms of the number of theaters. First largest in terms of seating, and they actually own a lot of theaters in emerging markets, uh, India, Thailand, China. Uh, They're a very well-diversified company, but they've been losing a lot of market share here in the U.S. to especially smaller upstarts and uh, more regional theater chains that have been popping up with the VIP experience. They've not been in great financial shape in the U.S. market now in several years as we started to see this. Yeah, I, I refer to it as Cinema 2.0 with the more uh, customer-focused elements. It's no longer just about cramming as many people into a crowded room as possible. Now it's more about the experience that comes along with it. 
Hence, once again, why that stuff's making money at a lower cost than what AMC is going and making, charging $15 for a seat, and you're crammed in with only about three inches of armrest space between you and, you know, Charlie from uh, across the street in Newark. It's like, that's not a great experience. Nobody wants to sit next to Charlie. This is kind of the joke for me. So, the theater that I've got in Gig Harbor... I can go to the theater, and if I walk in and buy the tickets, and I want to emphasize this, because it's different if I buy online. So, I can go and get into an evening screening for uh, $10, basically. It's like ten thirty, I think, uh, before And, and it is a nice there. theater. I was there so with you when we went to go see, what was it? Atomic, Atomic Blonde. Atomic Blonde. years ago. Which, yeah, which was freaking awesome. So, I can go and watch a movie there, can go and get my wife a drink at the bar, and I mean pretty much anything, Merlot, Prosecco, whatever, can go and get all the overpriced stuff that we expect out of every theater, or I could go across the Tacoma Narrows Bridge, go to Lakewood, and go to the AMC Theater over there, spend $15 to go and get tickets, not be able to go and get my wife alcohol or any of the candy or concession stuff she wants. Can't get my Bavarian pretzel with the beer cheese sauce. It's like, okay, even though I'm still blowing a lot of money on all the extra stuff, I've got a comfortable experience. My seats are never sticky. It's always comfortable. The staff actually says hello. It just feels like a good experience. It feels like I'm getting pampered while I'm out there. And I'm spending $5 less than going to the one across the bridge in the more populous area. And not getting anywhere near as good of a feeling. And always coming out of there with either my pants or my sweatshirt stuck to the seat. Yeah, yeah I'm not a fan of AMC anymore for that reason. By the way... I, yeah. I, I figured that you guys would find this interesting since we are talking on films and we were just benching how I rarely go see films. I think I figured out why. Um, and I, because I was having Lazy. a conversation with another friend of mine. Uh, because you're the Mindy Sinclair of theater watchers. Yes, we understand. Well, I don't even know what that means. Tyler can attest to this because he's watched films with me in the theater and he's watched them at, at, in, at, in front of a television. He knows I, I get antsy when I'm sitting for way too fucking long. Yeah. Sure. And and what that goes with that, I think, is just that I have, because of the way that I pay attention to things and how I, how I watch things, like a lot of times when I'm watching something, um, and I, I pause my films halfway th- a third of the way through the film or halfway through the film and just walk away for 10 15 to, or even longer and then come back to it and even come back to it later and i think that's kind of why i don't like seeing films in theater as well as a lot of longer term films because i i always lose track or i lose interest in that in the in that in those break times and if i don't take them i just lose interest of the films in general does that make sense I, don't, I just don't like mega long form content, which is weird to me because I listen to podcasts on, on uh, like for entire work shifts. I, w- I will watch YouTube till the end of time. But for some strange reason, long form content like full like two hour long movies or stuff like that, I just 
some for some reason I just can't sit and just watch it all the way through. You know, can, does that make sense? No, I don't know. I like how Tyler's like no. I I, I get where you're coming from. Am I the only one that lost her, or is it just me? No, no, it's all no. of us. We all lost Amy. Okay, because yeah, Tyler, because Tyler was doing this, so I was like, I'm waiting for it to catch up, but it's I, not. I know up, it's so that. completely died. So, because I I, oh, I uh, thought I just died oh. because Tyler. It sounded like Tyler had was falling along. Thing fell, unplugged computer. <laughs> Well, I, I guess this is I guess this is proof, guys. It's time that we move recording studios. We've outgrown this one. Yeah, it's a void. How do you outgrow a void? I knew we shouldn't have. <laughs> put, I knew we shouldn't have uh, put her her uh, her computer on top of that pile of books. I think we should have built a studio for more than three people at a time. Yeah, I guess that's true. I say I say this is where we wrap it up. We just lost a member. Exactly, yeah. No, no. Amy, Amy might have died. Um, Dick Dastardly might have gotten a hold of her, uh, demanding that she watch Scoob when it comes out on May 15th, uh, a few days from now, as some of you might have noticed. So uh, I guess with that, uh, thank you, everybody, for uh, joining us this week. Well, I bitched and moaned about a whole bunch of clickbaity articles that I just don't think reflect the real world, I guess is the way I would put that. But that's nothing the else. news in general. I, I'm not going to argue that anymore, but at the same time, it's like, it, you know what? Cinema does mean something to me. Like, I know there's going to be regular listeners that go, oh, you were just talking a couple of weeks ago about can't wait to go back to the theater. You're just a theater fanboy. You don't understand that the future is all in being at home. I'm not going to argue that. Netflix has done great going and producing, you know, mid-level films and putting them out there. I mean, Will Smith's Bright is getting a sequel. Why, I don't know. But, damn it, Netflix found a way to market that to a good enough point where they thought it was worth investing in a sequel to it. Good for them. I just don't think that it's going to replace cinema entirely. I just think that cinema is going to become more of the social experience, the way that it used to be, really. And you're going to find a lot of these films that, especially the ones that tend to get released in times like January, which is generally the dumping ground for films, I think you're going to find that stuff finding its way more often onto paid video on demand than going into actual theaters. That's just kind of the way I see it. So that was my closing thought. Thank you for listening. Check us out all the places you know we're at. We're available wherever free podcasts are sold. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Podbean, TuneIn. We're just everywhere anymore. Uh, message us, email us, wherever. Twitter, Instagram, Soccer Rangers Podcast at gmail.com. Hey, we still have a Facebook page that I don't know if we've updated in months to years, but we still have it there too. We should really get back on making posts of things here at some point in the near future as things start it's to ramp up again. It's been crazy. It has yeah. been crazy. That's why I'm like, no, no, I'm not going to say that we need to get something done now. Just we at some point need to go and get something back up onto our social medias because, man, we're looking lazy. Anyway, 
Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Goodbye. Bye.